Hello, and thank you for joining us. My name is Molly Carmichael with Zonda's Inspirational Leadership Series, joined by the industry's best in all things real estate. These leaders are literally designing our future for many generations to come with new communities, home designs, technology, retail centers, infrastructure, and so much more. This series is about who they are, how they got started, who inspired them, and their journey to the top. So let's get started. Hello, and thanks again for joining us today. We are here with Mike Forsum, the Chief Operating Officer for Lansing Holdings Corporation. Just a little bit about Mike before we get started. He grew up in the business. His father was a home builder. And he also has 30 years of home building experience following working with his dad. He's worked for several builders like Taylor Morrison, KB Home, and also co-founded Starwood Land Ventures in 2008. I don't think he could have hit that time better. That was an affiliated company of Starwood Capital Group Global. Mike then joined Lancy in 2016, and shortly after this young company started in 2013, uh, the company has done phenomenally well. The company recently just went public in 2021 and exceeded a billion in revenue by year end. The company is now one of the newest and fastest growing companies in the nation. Mike, John Ho, the entire management team, They've really built a great company from the ground up, and they've been instrumental in shaping the company's culture, vision, their core values. And on a final note, I believe Lancy Homes has some of the best and most innovative home designs out there. So let's get started. We're going to hear a lot more from Mike about his career, his life, and what it takes to be an inspirational leadership today. So please join me in welcoming Mike Forsum. Thank you for joining us today. We are here with Mike Forsum. He's the Chief Operating Officer for Lancy Homes. Mike, thank you so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. It's great to have you. Welcome. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much, Molly. This is a great honor to be on your podcast. I'm thrilled <laughs> to be here. And uh, I was thinking about when you asked me to do this, how long I've kind of been circling your orbit. I think. Uh, I go back to your days at the Irvine company when you were helping to peddle those super expensive lots to Taylor Morrison at the time. <laughs> I think you're part of that. And uh, you did a fine job and I always was impressed by that because we kept buying them. So uh, you're very effective. That's good. That's good. That's that's what the Irvine company likes as you well know, Mike. <laughs> well, I know it's 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 been a while and it's it's interesting what a small business and industry this is, right? I mean, I could be in Sacramento or Boston and I, it's amazing how you run into people. Well, I think it's age, Molly. I mean, the longer we're here, <laughs> uh, the more people we get to know. And uh, if, we're, if we're able to be blessed enough to be in this industry as long as at least I have been, uh, the pool starts to shrink. So you know a lot more people. I totally agree. And you know what? It's, it's like an extended family, really. Oh yeah, for sure. Absolutely. It really is. Well, let's talk a little bit about you. We're going to talk a lot about you, actually. Okay. <laughs> so as the chief operating officer of Lansky Homes, like, what do you do? Like, what do you do every day? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what does it take to be a COO? Uh, yeah, well, I'm still trying to figure that out a little bit. So uh, thanks for giving me the tough question right from the get-go. <laughs> uh, of course. Please, uh, my job uh, in the role that I'm playing for Lansky Homes is to oversee all of really our home building operations and all facets that come along with it. Uh, I work with my, you know, we call each other partners or CEO, John Ho. Uh, John's a great uh, guy. I love John. Yeah, he's an amazing human being. And uh, we've been at this uh, 
for the last, it's my sixth year here. John's been at eight. Uh, and we've gone from, I think when I got here about 30 employees, we have about 750 now. And oh. uh, we're a publicly traded company and we're coast to coast. And so, you know, our job has changed a lot over that time. Um, so really uh, together, uh, I, as I said, run through the home building operations uh, while John really takes care of the board and really uh, focuses in on the capital markets and talking with our investors. Uh, I do that from time to time. And then together, really, we set strategy, culture, uh, kind of where we want to go, where we think what we want to do uh, with this company going into the future. And so really, we kind of run it together. It's great. That's awesome. What do you love most about your job? Well, um, I think I really love, I just love the diversity of what we do for a living. I mean, this is a really I agree. interesting profession. Um, and I tell people, you know, it's so unique in the sense that uh, we touch all aspects and all facets of life. I mean, when we're putting a deal together, we have to understand schools. We have to understand air quality. We have to understand water quality. We have to be geotechnical scientists. We have to be structural engineers. We have to be artists. We have to understand architecture. We have to understand design. We have to understand politics and how to navigate those waters. And so, you know, all of those things. And I just, you know, I've thought about this a lot during my career, and I don't know very many businesses that offer that. Um, and I just think it's just so uh, fascinating. Uh, every deal is different. Every city is different. Every state is different. Uh, everybody that you deal with is somewhat unique. And so it's just really the diversity of, of what we do uh, in the pieces that we have to stitch together, the people that we have to orchestrate to kind of get them aligned to go forward in the same direction, mm -hmm. uh, to come out with this thing that we love and do is building communities and well, developing communities and building homes. I love it. You know, it's, it's really funny, but I think it took me about 20 years of my career to realize that we are actually in the business of land and people and the house is just the accessory, right? I mean, the house is important. Don't get me wrong. But the land portion of it is so much more difficult. And then the the people side of it, both the people you're working with, but also the people you're building homes for is, I mean, those are the most important ingredients of the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There's, there's no doubt about it. Um, you know, it's again, going back to this, this amazing job that I have lucked into because uh, someone like me should never be this fortunate but I, <laughs> you know, I, uh, it's incredible that I get to sit here and talk to you about it and, and be a part of this industry and seeing the things that I've been able to see but it is it is different in the sense of what creates value <clears throat> in what we do and it is different in, in different locations and I, I talk about yeah. California where really the home building process the actual home itself is really, it's probably not the right way to say it, but it's really the, it's a necessary evil that has to be created. Probably I shouldn't have said it that way, but you know, <laughs> it's, it's used to extract out the value of the land because the land is really where the value creation comes from in the state of California. Uh, if you're in Texas or if you're in Florida and you're in Arizona, like we are in different places where land is a little bit less <clears throat> constrained and it's a little less regulated and you can kind of get through that process a little better and there's more developers and there's just more supply of lots 
um, the home building side of it becomes so much more important because that's your real differentiator. That's really where you make your, your, your trade or your business, your money. And so you have to be really, really good at that. You have to really, really understand, um, you know, how a home is built and, and who you're building it for, uh, because you're under intense competition on in that regard. So, you know, you get, you get both sides of it, uh, going back and forth. And of course we've got New York and San Francisco and that's a whole different kettle of fish. So it's, uh, <laughs> I think that's what your team, your team at Taylor Morrison and certainly here at Land Sea has always done so well and does so well. You guys have, it's that design side that can make a difference between 15 to 20% in value in the home. That's so many, there are builders out there that just completely miss that. And so you've always seemed to lead a team that does that, which is yeah. great. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, we've always I've always felt that way. Uh, the people that have been around me and that have worked with me over the years sort of feel that way is that we don't really believe that you have to compromise those core elements out of a house uh, by making things more attainable, uh, making a home more approachable. Um, you don't need to uh, cheapen quality or the value proposition out of what you're trying to present. If you're thoughtful about it, yeah. you really drive, you know, design and that you have people that are pretty passionate around those uh, concepts of what we're trying to do. It's not a rote process. I, you know, we've talked a lot about it internally that, you know, we're, <clears throat> we're leaving our mark on earth. I mean, this is another really unbelievable thing we do. I love this part. I totally agree with what you're like, <laughs> You know, and, and it, I can get kind of misty-eyed talking about it, and I'm sure I embarrass you know our teams when I get off on this tangent. But I mean, really, uh, I can go back after 35 years uh, of being in this business and look at homes that we built in communities, I don't know, throughout California, um, and to see what we did. You know, did oh, we yeah. do it right? You know, did we did we um, further the enhancement? Of the community in which we operated in, or did we do poorly? Did we short the mark? Did we compromise? And you know, you're building homes that are neighborhoods that don't sustain themselves over time. I'd much rather be in the former rather than the later. And and if you really think about that, and it doesn't take a whole lot more um, to do that. You know, it just really isn't that hard um, or that difficult to meet that challenge if you're thoughtful about the things that, that are that matter and so anyhow i have it in my family as well um you know my my grand my, this is another thing i do to embarrass my team as i always <laughs> start off with, i'm a third generation swedish carpenter and uh, <laughs> that's <you> know, awesome <laughs> well my uh my grandfather on my father's side was a builder in la and he built uh duplexes and triplexes and fourplexes throughout the san gabriel valley and super cool uh I remember is you know being young and seeing you know what he what he did and, and the work that he had, uh, had accomplished and how proud he was and uh, you know in the life that they gave that he gave me he had immigrated from Sweden with my father my father <clears throat> um, just kind of going through but he was the chief designer for Ross Cortesi and Rossmore Leisure World and so in the Laguna Night oh, really? Gale the Rossmore. So he, that's how we got to Southern California was that he was running uh, uh, Leisure World basically in Laguna Hills. Um, that's so, huge. So if you think about the huge. legacy that he left on this planet, you know, <laughs> which is now I think called Laguna Woods. I think he didn't even change the name, but, um, and so, you know, you, you live 
with that and in that, and you start to think about, you know, again, what's my calling and what do I want to do? Um, you know, that's a pretty cool thing to reflect upon. And, you know, you probably don't consciously know it, but, you know, you definitely feel it inside you. So you can kind of carry that, carry that with you. Oh, for sure. Well, so I, we're going to go back a little bit. We're going to go back to the young Mike Forsum. I always like to pick, I don't know why I picked the age eight, but I do. Well, tell so going back, so you, so you have a father who's a builder and he's yep. a developer and that kind of stuff, but you've got your own stuff. Like, what did you want to be when you were a young kid? Oh, I wanted to be a professional athlete of any kind at that point. <laughs> I was convinced I was going to be a professional basketball player or a baseball player or football player. Um, and I just loved playing sports growing up. And uh, is, is the dogs bothering you? I could no, not at all. Nope, nope. Everybody's got a dog. I've got three. Nope, no big deal. <laughs> Keep them barking. We've all got okay. no big deal. Uh, yeah, so I just loved, I loved playing, uh, you know, sports, team sports specifically. I mean, I had uh, a nice- What did you play? So you played basketball? Yeah, I, I actually, all the way through high school, all four years, I was on football team, basketball team, baseball, and then I- actually pulled out a little bit in track as well. And um, nice. one of the things that, and then I played a little, I played my freshman year of college football. So um, uh, clearly, clearly I didn't have a future in it, but you know, <laughs> I, I was telling one of my buddies the other day, I said, I think I went all the way to like my mid forties when I woke up one day and just realized I'm probably not gonna be a professional athlete at something. I had to give up the dream. The big dream was always with me for an extended period of time, but, um, and so, but I just, you know, I, uh, my, my father, uh, was, you know, an immigrant and there's a level of expectation that uh, the family participates in, uh, work and helping oh, out. I was doing, one of those people with my family. So, yeah. so he had instilled a very strong work ethic, work ethic, work ethic in us. And, uh, so if you weren't, Basically, if you weren't playing a sport, which in his mind was, I guess you, you're American, you should do that, right? That's kind of makes some sense. Sure. But anything else is just waste of time and you should be helping out him doing whatever project he had going on or something. And, uh, and so that was part of the reason why I did everything because I always could tell him I had practice or I had a game or something coming up. And so it got me out of, it got me out of a lot of work. That's basically, and I'd much rather go to a practice than have to go to work with him because he was a much tougher coach than I could ever have on the field. So it was like one of those, those deals. Well, I have a theory though. I think some of the best employees have played team sports and, and it really just is learning to be on a team and work together and play hard and, and, and win and all the things that go with that. And frankly, even learning how to lose to some degree right. uh, is, you know, those are kind of key qualities of a great employee, right? I, I, yeah, for sure. And I, and I use that analogy all the time. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know if it's lost on people <laughs> or not, but uh, it's my frame of reference. And I, I, you know, consistently talk about us being on a team together, uh, that we have positions to play, uh, the roles are different, but together, you know, we are better uh, than apart and that we all have to um, work sort of in harmony with one another in terms of knowing what what we need to do, right? And so, totally. so the best thing is, is that I want to be, you know, I always wanted to be on a high-performing team, a winning team, and I also wanted to be a very valued member on that winning team. And that was sort of like 
the level of expectation. You know, you don't want to participate on a team that loses every you know week. You know, you know that you're going to have your challenges, and you know that maybe you're not going to win every week. But you yeah. know, the idea of yeah. of you know that uh, being on that team that's uh, again high performing excels, and that you're a real um, meaningful value add participant in that team and doing your job and doing it well, it's great. Not everybody can be the quarterback. Not everybody can be the star receiver. Totally. But collectively, you know, just being the best at what you're doing in that job um, is really cool when it all kind of harmonizes together and, and you're, you're making it happen. Well, tell me what's the biggest thing, if you, if you had one takeaway from working with your dad, what was your, like the number one thing he taught you? He was very exacting um, in terms of, of doing the work right and doing it yeah. right the first time um, and quality and what really, what really that looks like and really what you have to do to get it. Um, and then not being satisfied, <clears throat> coming up short of the mark. Um, you know, he was an incredibly hard worker. Uh, he's very detail oriented. Um, and he was relentless in terms of just, you know, getting it done that way. And so I've always deeply appreciated that that is something that he gave me. Um, there's some things he gave me that I don't like, but you know, most of it was, it served me well in this industry. And so, um, that's, that's been really good. What are the, uh, what are the top qualities you look for in a leader? Again, in our business being as diverse as it is, you know, leadership comes in different ways. And, um, I think that it's a little bit of just more about the sort of softer stuff, you know, do you have the character, you know, or do you have the, um, these, you know, you got to have the aptitude, you know, there's just sort of those basics, right. I mean, you just right. kind of the blocking tackling, you know, kind of be where you are, but you know, the reality is, is that, you know, do you have that sense of sort of, um, you know, being able to be approachable in the way that you are to get the best out of people that you have to lead is really the main thing. And so um, I usually look like there's three different steps that I kind of say is sort of how you evolve in your career is that, you know, if you're highly effective when you're younger, you're usually given a task and you're really good at getting that done. You do it yourself and you're just right. amazing, right? Mm -hmm. but the next big leap is, and it's, it's a big separator, huge, is can you get others to do that job as well as you were doing, right? I mean, you have to basically be able to leverage yourself out. And it's you have to do it with people who are different than you, right? And they have different ways and styles and those kinds of things. And, you know, you have to be able to uh, have a, a sense of confidence to let some of those roam free to kind of get to the, to the spot that they need to get to. It may not be the way you would do it, but, you know, you're, you're kind of moving them in that direction. And so to be an evolved leader like that, to have that kind of capacity, I think is something that is very unique and you kind of look for that because it's just not that linear. Um, and then the big, the big next step, and this is such a generalization is, you know, can you be a strategic thinker? And I think that that is, you know, that's the big, that's the big step, you know, that ultimately gets people to that sort of, you know, whatever that is, that's sort of at that higher level and you kind of move up, but you know, that's, that's kind of what it is. So when I think about leadership, it's just, can you move people in the same direction and then execute at a level that you did when you were doing that job yourself, you know, and that's kind of where it goes. And then, you know, the strategic thinking part is, you know, from the next side of the leadership is that, can you get people to buy into that vision? Um, because I gotta say like, look, if, you, if you've if you got a ship out in the ocean, 
open water. Um, and it's a really seaworthy vessel and you have a crew and they are all, all competent in doing what uh, you're asking them to do, whether it's tending a sail or, or you know, whatever is on the ship. Um, you know, as a captain, you, you got you to gotta sail somewhere, right? And you got to be able to convince everybody that where you're sailing is in the right direction because they can't see it. It's over the horizon. It's someplace that's out there. And, you know, you're going to have moments uh, where you're in stormy seas or you're just floating going nowhere. And you're going to have to still be able to convince people that this is where this is where we're going to go win it. Stay with me. Stay focused. <laughs> Do your job. Trust me. I'm going to get you there. Right. Because otherwise, if we just sit here, we're going to die. Right. We, we got to go. And uh, so I think that's part of it too is and that's a very unique person to be able to do that in my opinion it's they're very few and far between that's a really those are good answers i like it that's awesome well so tell me your favorite pastime what do you love to do if you're not doing this you know i really uh i you know i'm very um i i love my my buddies dearly and so if we get a chance to kind of go off and you know get a little boys trip together to watch a football game somewhere or go find nice. watch the final four you know that's probably you know kind of we've been doing that for decades now together they're they're my friends literally from elementary school and so uh, they're really precious to me and uh so and probably if i think about that outside of my own family and my grandchildren and my children you know being able to do those kinds of fun little trips with them now that have gotten really boring where we now you know end up pretty early at night and I think we even go home and have tea and maybe a little cookie and we watch some ESPN or something like that so it's very <laughs> very low key sounds great to me awesome. it is, it is, we love it so <laughs> so that's kind of that's mostly what what I what I do from pastime love to read if there's something good going on from a book standpoint just kind of getting my head out of all this data and stuff that we look at constantly and escape a little bit from that but um and just spend time with my wife so it's what I do. Now I'm going to do quick word association with yep. you. So what's the first word that comes to mind when I say quality? Non-negotiable. <laughs> I like that. People. Indispensable. That's true. Home building. Noble. I agree. Good answer. Affordable. Uh, relative. <laughs> it's, it's true. So what do you do about affordability today? Uh, if, if you've kind of been raised up in the California market, uh, I think you, you probably have more um, skills around this area because you don't really have those kinds of alternatives to move out, right? We're just sort of supply constraint or land constraint. We've got regulations. We also have a lot of uh, sort of physical features, you know, bays, water, hills, you know, things like that to kind of sort of make you have to kind of figure it out. And I think that we're, we've done uh, a good job here in California, and I like to think of us as a company and kind of what we're now doing in Arizona, is you are uh, uh, solving for that affordability problem by densification of your product, essentially, or your totally. community. You're learning how to be more efficient on that parcel of land and creating uh, different home, homes, homes products, whatever, however we want to phrase it, you know, that still give the sense of, of that this is my home, this is my space, this is my castle. But at the same time, there are some compromises that are being made 
in terms of how you're living in that area or certainly within that lot or in that community. Um, and you're making that trade-off. And the trade-off is I'm not driving in you know, an hour, maybe I'm driving 20 minutes. I'm, you know, not, I, I'm, there's just certain things that are there. And I think that the builders that are most thoughtful around that can sort of uh, make those two things kind of come together uh, in that kind of situation. And frankly, you go back to the Irvine company that challenged density. If you were in the Bay Area where I really spent most of my you know, early career uh, to get projects uh, and approved, you know, you really had to get the yield up and you had to think about how you could, uh, I'm going to call it sort of densify your product without, again, compromising it and making it an unlivable home, you know, just because you can get 13 to an acre versus four, you know, it was just sort of, Agreed. and you really, you really had to work on that and you really had to be thoughtful about it in, in, in every respect. Well, and I, I think the toughest conditions oftentimes are where inventions are made, right? Sure. I mean, it forces you to actually create something better. Right. For right. sure. Yeah. For sure. No, um, <clears throat> I think that's brilliant. So tell me this. How did you, was there a turning point in your career uh, when you, let's say, for example, when you became president for the first time of a division, was there a turning point that got you there that you're like, that's it? Uh, no. <laughs> what, what about, um, I, so I tell mean, me I, about the first uh, company you became president for and, and anything around that? Yeah. So I was, uh, in a really unique position. I was very young, um, but I had, uh, had the opportunity to work up in the Bay Area with KB. Uh, KB was a much smaller company than, in fact, at that time, there's only three divisions uh, in the state of California. Um, and uh, it was Northern California. There was the Orange County division, which Larry you know, was part of mm -hmm. San Diego. And then they had a startup division in the Bay Area. And that was with Roger Menard. And that's, that's yeah. where it got going. And Roger was uh, uh, had his own unique style of leadership. It was basically, I'm going to give you enough rope until you can hang yourself or you know however the phrase goes and it was like hey <laughs> mine was mostly about I really you know for me personally loved the um uh the independence and authority that he gave me uh and what drove me was I didn't want to lose it like I didn't want to make him I didn't want to let him down or let the company down because I was so uh coveted of having that kind of authority, um, responsibility, and to be able to go out there, you know, with the job that I had to do, whether it was in a city or dealing with trades or what, you know, what have you, um, you know, I, I, I always felt like I came there with the position of authority that was given to me by him and I didn't want to take it away. So, you know, that was what drove me early uh, to some early successes. And so they ended up making me a division president and, uh, Fresno. They wanted to open up in uh, Central Valley. I was 29, almost turning 30. I was 29. Um, and what was a real motivator at that time was that I was married and I had three young children. And so I couldn't flub that up. I mean, because that's, you know, I don't yeah. get, you know, cast aside, you know, there. And so uh, that's really young to become a division <clears throat> president, too. Yeah. That's pretty spectacular. Yeah. yeah. So um, and, you know, back then the, and then shortly after they asked me to go to Arizona, and open up the, the Arizona office, uh, which I did right after Jay Moss started the operations in Vegas. We were the two first divisions outside of the state of California for KB. 
Um, a little bit of another connection is Jeff Metzger replaced me in Arizona when I left to go to Ryland. So, I mean, just oh, interesting. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So I, I, every time I see Jeff, I told him he owes me a lot of money for, you know, accelerating his career to the top. That's right. Uh, That's so right. Otherwise he would have been banished off in Palmdale and Lancaster where he was at the time. <laughs> out of there. But, um, so I think that, uh, generally, um, uh, Back then in those days, the training for division president was they gave you a telephone book and a number two pencil and said, best of luck to you. And it's just, if you had ingenuity and desire and, you know, I probably a healthy sense of fear of failure and, um, you know, that that's kind of what it was. So I, I kind of laughed when you asked about it because it wasn't really a whole lot of, it wasn't really a whole lot of direction in terms of, you know, what I was prepared you just had to learn on the fly. You know, you just had to kind of get in there. You had to lean into the opportunity and you had to kind of figure your way through it all. And, you know, as a very young person, you had to convince people and people that were much older than me that, you know, I could get this done. And that again, sure. you know, follow me, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so uh, yeah, I guess that's kind of what it is. There's no, no uh, trade-off for experience. There's no, you know, trade-off in terms of, uh having that kind of experience. And what I always say too, is that, you know, what I loved about our business, which I'm going to call sort of high volume production home building that kind of is, is you just get a lot of at bats. And it's just like, that's why I say, get as many at bats as you possibly can, as young as you possibly can, because every, every experience is unique. Everything is different. Every challenge um, is, is new. And, uh, and so you want to, you want to, you want to get those early because, you know, that makes you better later on as opposed to being very kind of one dimensional linear, you know, through the process. And uh, so, you know, from that standpoint, that's kind of my philosophy is just, you know, get as many uh, at bats as you possibly can early, take on as many assignments as you can and every community, you know, look for the volume. And that's a great way to play. That's a great way to grow. Do you think your upbringing with your father working in the business too, as a young person had a part of that too, though? I mean, realistically, sure. you've been training since how old, right? I mean, yeah, sure. you've been There's a manager in training since probably a, a young child yeah. for the most part. Yeah, no, I, I, there's just no question about it. And I, I'm very lucky and fortunate to have had, you know, those experiences uh, early on as a child for a, a, a builder, basically because it, it made me one super appreciate uh, trades and how hard they work for us and how important they are in the relationship of stakeholders. And this is something we drive all the time through our businesses that, you know, they're not the enemy. They're our partners. Oh, uh, totally. You know, we need them desperately. Uh, and, um, you know, we consider them family. And so, you know, from that standpoint, I just the sort of, ability to approach them and to speak with them and to understand, I think, what motivates them. Uh, and then just having just a deep appreciation for what they do. I mean, they're small business people for the most part, but they're sure, providing sure. livings for many people. Um, you know, they're taking big risks uh, and they're trusting us in many respects. But, you know, if we deliver on our end, they'll move heaven and earth for you because they're this most hardworking, dedicated, loyal people on the planet for the most part. And I treasure them. And I think that that was what I had 
probably ahead of others was just sort of being able to have that connection, that ability to to speak their speak and to um, you know just relate to them and connect with them. And it was authentic. You know, it wasn't something contrived. It was I didn't go to a seminar. I didn't you know <laughs> it's like it's just like these are my people, and I think they felt like I was part of them too. I agree. You know, my guess is you probably have done every role in a home builder too, growing up in that business too, right? So you, so you've swung a hammer, you've done a lot of that stuff too, because you, because that's just what it takes when you're doing that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. If you don't, I mean, this is a physical business. There's no getting around it. I mean, you know, if you're not somebody who's at least experienced some blisters on your hands or splinters (laughs) in your fingers or aches in your bones from a hard day's worth of work, you know, or, you know, my skin coloring being burnt to a crisp because you've been outside all day. And, you know, I, you know, it's, that's the nature of our business. That's what we do. We build stuff. We build it outside. We build it with other people and many different parts and, you know, it's uh, under different kinds of conditions. And so um, I think, yeah, you have to kind of understand that and appreciate it or have people around you that really do, you know, that can speak to that. That's probably my favorite part of the job. Oh, that's awesome. What do you love most about your job? Um, I love so many things about it, you know, and I, I, uh, in, in, it's different because it's like, it might, what do I love about my job today versus what did I love my job, you know, earlier, but, sure. um, sure. I mean, I, I can't believe I get to talk to you. I mean, and you're listening, <laughs> you're actually interested, you know, and what I have to say, I think, um, and, uh, but I think it's just, you know, it's like I said earlier, it's just this multifaceted, uh, many parts, you know, things that are uh, in direct conflict together that you have to bring back in sort of harmony, as I said earlier, and um, and just figuring out that puzzle, you know, yeah. and, and dealing with people that, um, you know, may or may not be, you know, in sync with you, but you got to get them there. And then there are a lot of people that are in sync with you and you got to leave them there and get them the tools and resources that they need to be, you know, effective and successful. And, you know, it's just, it's just the business that just has so much to it. And if you like that, you know, if you really like, like stitching those things together um, and making it all work, um, I kind of feel like, you know, they used to say back in the day, like this the home building business is like the car business. And it's like, but I always feel like, you know, it's like the movie business and it's kind of, you get a script, right? And you're the producer and you've got the script. And so you have to bring in all of these things to make this movie, a director, your actors are your salespeople, you know, you have your behind the scenes rips and lighting people, which are your construction people. And you're trying to kind of produce this thing of emotion, right? That's gonna move people, that's gonna delight them, that's gonna do all these things that um, are gonna be wonderful, right? Because you want them to come in mass, right? And, and to right. see what you've created. And, but then you know what the show's over, right? And you got to go do another one, and um, because you've built through the community, you're done with your models, and you're off to kind of your next script. And it's like, to me, like that is such an exciting. I guess like I feel like I don't, you know, really know what a producer does, but if a producer is what I think it is, this is kind of what this job is, and it's it's fascinating. That's a really good point. That's a that's a good analogy. Yeah, yeah. And they're so, all kind of like your babies too when you leave them. It's got to be. It's hard to leave them, right? But it's neat to see them, you know, when they're all grown up too. Yeah. Well, we have little celebrations uh, when, you know, the last house closes in a community because I don't think that that ever should be something that just sort of um, casually is done because the work 
the effort, the thought, uh, the emotion, the passion, the things you had to do to literally get a community from, you know, buying it to finishing it, the end and all the years in between and the blood, sweat and tears. You know, yeah, it shouldn't go, it shouldn't go away easily. Like it's just something that happens because it doesn't, it is really, really hard what we do. Right. Well, so let me ask you this. So, so pretend as a, a good friend coming to you and, and he or she says to you, should I buy a home today? What would you say? Absolutely. Why? That, you know, I think, you know, you, if you're not, if, because it's always, a home is always something to me, and I'm not gonna use the word investment, but is um, central to your sense of well-being in terms of I have my stake and I have my claim, I have my piece of the rock, I have a thing that's gonna give me stability and safety and peace of mind. Um, it's tangible, it's real, uh, it connects you to so many other things. I just think owning a home is the most important thing you can do. And I agree. when I say that, I also mean it's not about speculation. It's not about, you know, even the words investment, because Molly, you and I have been doing this. I've been doing longer than you, but you've been doing it for a while. And, you know, it's ups and downs, right? And if you're sure. buying this for, you know, I'm going to buy at the top or sell at the top, buy at the low, do all this then you know you're always going to be frustrated and disappointed and things because your your motivations aren't what really what this is all about mm -hmm. and, um so i think that you know today uh again there may they may be the best time to buy because it's not frenzied it's not crazy you're not up against people who are irrational and approaching the business or you know approaching the next release with just i'm going to jump in there and get whatever i can get um I think today, you know, we're sort of back to a point where you can uh, be thoughtful about your floor plan that you want, you know, what lot you're going to be on, you know, the community, you know, all the things that I think are very important in your decision making. And mm -hmm. that gives the best builders really a leg up because this is now starting to kind of shine through again, right? It's like what mm -hmm. we want to believe in, what we're telling our teams is like, this is a great time for us because we believe that we have the most compelling value proposition that's out there by virtue of these attributes that we put into our home. And when the market's going nutty, no one, no one, you know, are we getting, are we really getting anything for that? No. But when the market's slowing down or it's getting more um, thoughtful in terms of the approach, then we should shine. We should be able to stand out. So I think, I think it's a great time to buy a house. Well, so on that note, we'll throw a little competitive spirit into this one. <laughs> so you've worked for some great builders, right? Yeah. So KB Home, Taylor Morrison, Ryland. Right. Um, why would you tell them to buy a Lancy home? Why Lancy? Well, I, I, you know, I, I, I probably won't get this opportunity to tell them, but I think because right now by virtue of my experiences at all those home builders, which I would say are all great home builders. And yeah. maybe Ryland's no longer with us, but, you know, Cheryl and Taylor, they're still fantastic home builders. I, I, you know, I really admire them. I respect them. And I'm not just saying this because, you know, you're supposed to say it. I really do. I, I really think that they uh, do an excellent I do job. Too. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Cheryl has done amazing things with that company and she's, you know, seen the lows and she fought her way through. Talk about perseverance and grit. Now there's a great example of that, of something that she came into and then when it got spun off and then, you know, what she had to do to kind of 
move that company through that period in time to what it is today. It's an incredible story. It really, really is. And, um, you know, and Jeff and what he's done there and, you know, how he's taken over what was, you know, kind of a listing ship and, you know, and done what he's done. So, I mean, I, I think all those companies are great and Rylan was great, but I think really what is happening today at Lancy is that by virtue of those experiences and in being in private equity with Starwood Capital, you're getting the best of Mike Forsum, the best that I ever am and ever was right at this moment, right? So I can, and I think that this is a industry that does reward experience. It is real estate in general, having experience and having gone through stages and phases and themes and whatever kind of runs through it, um, you are incrementally just getting better. You're adding more value to yourself. You don't become obsolete per se. I don't think you do. I think you become more uh, of a more highly valued individual because you can add so much more to the conversation and give so much more perspective to it. And that's why, you know, I love this business too, because you don't really age out per se in some of the maybe more other industries that are there, you should be able to always get better um, by virtue of being in this industry and, and being a part of it and an active part of it and being engaged. Um, okay. So as we're wrapping up, I've got a couple of final questions for you. Okay. Who inspired you? Who were your kind of leaders growing up, uh, both personally and professionally? I mean, growing like age eight, are we back to age eight again? Yeah, kind of yeah absolutely. I think you should have to pick one from when you were a kid and then one as an adult. I think that's a good, I'm, that's a good one. I like that. Yeah. Um, I think that as a child, I was, uh, very fortunate. Uh, I have my best friend, uh, to this day, even, uh, his father was a huge, uh, inspiration, to me, I don't. I don't even know if he knows it. Actually, to tell you the truth, uh, he's 92 now, and um, so I'm probably get a little emotional thinking about it. But so he's in. He was uh, real estate um, back then. I you know whatever that was. I don't know, but I knew he was successful. Um, and uh, but he, despite the fact of uh, I think his success and his wealth. Um, was the most generous, thoughtful um, human being I'd ever ran across. And still to this day, I tried to pattern myself after him. He was the type of person that, who uh, always met you where you were at as a young person. Um, would ask you questions about yourself, at least seem interested um was there was present uh, and always engaging of people but not necessarily like all like had to be the same people we were athletes but you could be a skateboarder in his house you could be a surfer you could be you know where whoever you were um you know he was just uh, an incredibly approachable thoughtful decent human being and he was a he was an adult he was a he was a male figure and he was an unbelievably generous too. And I thought, no, I think that's what I want to be, you know, when I nice. when I grow up. And because, you know, I just never really met a, a man like that before. And uh, so, you know, I cherish him more than anything. 
Nice. I see a lot of those qualities in you for sure. So you listened well. That's great. Now, what about as an adult? So fast forward as an adult. Um, a person, are we back to a person again, a professional okay. person or some, um, it, it could be the, it could be your next door neighbor. <laughs> I, you know, it's interesting, Molly. I don't know why I'm struggling with this question because again, I am surrounded by unbelievable human beings. I'm so lucky. And, uh, I get to go in and out of, uh, different situations whereby I meet the most fascinating, interesting, inspiring people and that I just walk away from like, damn, what am I doing with my life? I mean, why can't I be I like know. that? You know, I feel I just, about these interviews every time I talk, I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> and, um, you know, they're just remarkable to me. And, uh, and so I, it's like really just mostly about just bits and pieces of those people that, you know, I really want to kind of gather and sort of put them together to kind of say, okay, this is, somebody and and i feel hard about saying this because i i if anybody ever listens because i know you've got this huge following they may say why didn't you pick me you know, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know it's like why wasn't i that person uh, <laughs> but you know i uh you know i just you know I, I clearly adore my wife um she's my heart and soul she's been this partner oh. with me that's a great one you know what that is, that's about the, the best answer I've been given so far. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's just it's your partner, right? So she goes through this journey with you or, he, you know, whatever it is. And I think that um, you don't, you know, you only go as far as that person that's next to you. And so from that standpoint, you know, for all that she's done, put up with, had to uh, persevere through and all the, you know, the places I've taken her and the things we've done. Um, uh, I, I'm her biggest fan. She's my, she, I admire her the most. Well, that makes me teary. That, that, that kind of joked you up a little bit there, didn't it? I mean, that's, you know what? Uh, it sounds like, it sounds like you have one hell of a partner. So she's great, but I, I love her to pieces and, uh, and then I've had some early other, you know, great, I just, you know, great people to work with, whether it's Bruce Carrots or Chad Dreyer, you know, God bless him. And, um, you know, John Peskin, who's at uh, Pulte now on the board and probably one of the smartest human beings I've ever come across. Um, but they're all different. You know, they all had different personalities and Bruce trusted me, you know, Chad drove me and, you know, John um, enlightened me, you know, they're all they're all different. And I've had great partners, Mike Moser at, uh, at Starwood Capital. We were partners together. He's just a phenomenal uh, guy in terms of just really knows his shit and works super hard and I, knows his stuff. And uh, and he's just relentless, you know, in the pursuit of that. And um, so I've always admired him for that. Um, and then I have just great, great people around me that, you know, continue to trust and believe in me. And I, um, no, I'm thankful for them. So, so, and, and I'm still in awe of the wife. That's awesome. Um, so if you were to pick two to three qualities of, of these people that you admire so much, what would quality of a leader be? Um, I think, uh, uh, humility for sure. For sure. Um, 
I think, um, you know, uh, humility, I think, um, uh, I mean, selflessness. I mean, it's just sort of the sense of, you know, there, you have to have a, I think to be a good leader, you do have to have a servant attitude to some degree. Um, so I think that's, that's just these, you know, selfless people that um, continually to amaze me that they're willing to, despite almost no gain or any notoriety or whatever it is, you know, um, show up and do their thing every single day for you. It's just, it's mind boggling to me. So from that standpoint, I think that's part, you know, too. And then I think just, um, you know, again, I kind of go back to sort of perseverance or grit or because life is just, you know, our work, it's a grind, right? I mean, it's a, you know, but it, it could be a beautiful grind, you know, at the end of the day. I mean, it's mm -hmm. really about the journey and sort of going through the crucible together and whether it's through your marriage or it's through your teams or building a company or sustaining a family. You know, it's like, look, it's never, it's just about that journey and that grind and that thing that you're going through together that uh, reveals things, but also just bonds you together that I think are really super cool stuff. So. I do too. You, and it's, it's the perseverance and the willingness to kind of fight for it every day and fight yeah. hard. Yep. I like it. Yep. So yeah, if you're that type of person, you're, you're probably doing it through relationships. You're doing it with your children because yep. they'll make you have to persevere. Um, and then you're doing it at work and you're doing it together. So, you know, that, that's kind of how I look at it. You know, I, I think it's, again, real back to what we open up with is just sort of being, you know, a team sports people or, you know, you're just, you're, you want to, you know, you're something, but you're part of something bigger than yourself. And that is something that really you get, excites you. And I think that gives you a, you know, a sense of fulfillment and value. And, uh, and that's what this job does. Uh, well, Mike, um, I can't thank you enough for the interview, the time. It's just, I've had so much fun getting to know you on a whole new level. And, and if, okay. if I could say this, I just think your parents would be so proud of you. <laughs> I just, I just, I like, I literally, I think your dad would be so proud. <laughs> it's just, uh, it's just really neat to, I mean, you guys, uh, you're an inspiration for me. And I just am so thankful to have this time with you. Thank you again for joining us. This is Molly Carmichael, and I hope you enjoyed this series. Please hit like if you like today's broadcast and subscribe if you'd like to hear more from the best and the brightest in our industry. Take care, everyone, and I hope you join us again next time.